Good morning. The scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put, your, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen on the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servants, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff, with which you shall do the signs. This is the word of the Lord. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We know that these words are only made powerful by the presence of your Holy Spirit. For these are just mere man, if these were just mere man's words, nothing would happen. We might get some information, we might learn something new, but our hearts would not change. Lord, we ask for our hearts to change. We ask for your presence, for these words to be powerful. Illumine our ears and our minds so that we may hear life-giving words and that our hearts would change to worship you. Be with all of us as we continue to worship you right now as we hear your holy and inerrant word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Signs are important to us. They direct us. They allow us to know where we are. But what you may not consider is that signs also tell us or convey to us emotions that we did not know that we had. 
Signs are important for various reasons, but they also convey to us emotions that we may not know we had. When I was studying abroad in Korea, I studied there for about one year, and I loved Korean food. So good, still good. But when I saw a McDonald's, my heart longed for America. It was the weirdest thing. I, I would be walking past and I would see the McDonald's and my heart would long for America. And so anytime from there on forth, um, anytime I was uh, missing America or I needed my American fix, I would go to McDonald's and get my Big Mac and my fries. But more seriousness, signs do this to us all the time. Another more serious note is the American flag. I was born in America, always grew up in American, but never thought much about it until 9-11 happened. And then when I saw the flag raised for the very first time, I realized this is my home. I, I weep with those who weep. I feel like there has been an attack on my land. And it's a very powerful thing, and I, I never even thought about it, but it evokes these emotions. Now, why do I bring this up? Because here what we have before us in our text today are signs and emotions. When God reveals signs to his people, he not only is instructing us what to do, but he's calling us to see where we are spiritually and what we feel. And so what we have before us today is God talking to Moses and seeing Moses respond and seeing understanding how he felt and what it means uh, for us, his feeling, and what his, Moses' feelings mean for us. And so we will go over the signs of God, we'll go over the feelings of men, and then we will eventually end at Jesus Christ and how he plays into all of this. Signs, the importance of signs. We see at this time, um, we are entering into another conversation. If you were here with us last week, Moses and God were engaged in this um, epic conversation. God had revealed to Moses that he wanted Moses to free the Israelites. And so Moses asked pretty poignant questions. He asked, God, who am I to do these things? And God answered beautifully. He says, you're nobody. You are nobody. You're not going to do anything. And then Moses asked, then God, who are you? And he says, I am the great I am. I am the powerful one that will carry out this action. And then we come to chapter 4, verse 1, where Moses is not convinced by God's answer per se. He still has doubt. He says in verse 1, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And I think this is a legitimate response by Moses. Because I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but some people have said, Jeffrey, God spoke to me, and he says, you need to move to China. And I said, I don't believe you. <laughs> and, and, you know, I would have liked a sign. I mean, if God really said that, you better show me a sign. But so I think this is an okay request by Moses. I don't think he's being in denial. I think he is uh, in, in good company. In this, I don't think we are to look bad at Moses at this particular thing. And so what does God say? He says, yes, absolutely. I will not just give you one sign. I will give you three signs. And why will I give you these three signs? Verse 5 lets us know that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, 
and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. These signs are confidence boosters for Moses. But more importantly, these signs also will reveal things to people. They will convey a message to people. They will reveal to the world who God is. Going back to verse 5, it says, that they may believe. Who is they? At first glance, you might think, oh, it's the Israelites. God is providing these signs so that the Israelites may believe. But what we begin to realize is that the sign is provided both for Egypt and for Israel. These signs that God provides is always meant for the whole world. So that the world may believe. Because Moses will not do this at a secret gathering of the Israelites. He will perform these great signs and wonders in Pharaoh's court. Where all the world can see and take witness to whom God, to who God is. So what do these signs reveal about God? These signs may seem kind of random. Um, a serpent, um, uh, the healing of leprosy, uh, water into blood. It, it seems that it's all random, that it's just showing cool tricks. But mind you, God doesn't just do cool tricks. He does things so that people would believe in him so that people would understand who he is, so that ultimately people would worship God. Now, this is different from a magician, right? We don't worship David Copperfield. We don't worship David Blaine. I forgot his name already. David Blaine. We don't worship them. We just go to their shows, say, hey, you guys are really cool, but... There's no, there's no invitation to worship them or to follow them to be um, a sort of guru, right? But God, when he reveals his signs, when he reveals these miracles, it's so that we may know who God is and come to believe and worship him. So let's go into these signs and see what God reveals to the whole world. First, we see a staff turn into a serpent and then turn back into a staff. What does this sign mean? At first I thought, oh, is this about sin or the serpent? But then going back into the context, I remembered that we were in Egypt. And if you understand, the serpent was a god in Egypt. If you ever go to a museum and see the Pharaoh's crown, it's a huge serpent on his head. And how the Egyptians viewed of the serpents were that they were, that's where all life came from. That snakes were powerful, they were dangerous, they were kind of the unknown, but they were gods. And so what this sign showed the whole world was this, that God was in control of the God of Egypt. That there was no competition. That God created the serpent, God can turn it back into a staff. God is the great I am, the most powerful one. The second sign is Moses putting his hand in a cloak, in in his cloak. And when he takes his hand back out, it becomes leprous. It's just a degenerative skin disease. And then he puts his hand back into the cloak, and what happens? It's restored. Here God is revealing to the whole world that God is not only powerful, he is the great physician, the great healer. God will restore Israel, not only spiritually, But physically, God will restore Israel spiritually and physically before the whole world. 
And then the third sign is the Nile, the water in the Nile turning into blood. And here we see that the water simply begin, turns into blood, and this is the first of the ten signs of the ten plagues. And what this means is that God is also the God of death. You see, the Nile was the river of life. It's where all the commerce happened. That's where they got their food. That's where everything happened. And when you turn it into blood, it's unlivable. Everything is dead. Here God is showing Pharaoh and the Israelites that not only is the God this great God who heals, but he is the God of death. He has all the power. And so what we have in these three signs is a summary of who God is, of what it means that God is the great I am. He's the powerful one. He's the healer. And he also has the power of death. And I just want us to take a moment and sit back and understand this scene that we're witnessing. A great fire, a burning bush in which the bush is not consumed, is lit up in this mountain and has called out to Moses in an audible voice. It's not like a whispering voice. It's not like Moses. It's an audible voice saying, Moses, come here. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do in the whole entire world. And then what does he do? He said, but I'm going to set you up. I'm not only going to tell you my word, I'm going to give you power like you wouldn't believe. You're going to change the staff into a serpent. You're going to heal your own disease. And you're going to take water and turn it into blood. And this is my power to you. Trust me. But what does Moses say? Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant." But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses says, I cannot do it. I'm not a good speaker. I have a disability. Now, Moses is not just trying to be humble here. He's not saying, oh, I'm not a good speaker. Um, send someone else. We believe that he had a physical disability and was not able to speak well. So Moses is saying, I can't do it. I, I know you're giving me all this, but I just can't do it because I have this disability. This is how the Lord responds, verse 11 and 12. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. See, it's this great conversation that Moses and God is having. Because God keeps saying, I am, I am, I will do this, I will do everything. But Moses always responds, I can't do it. It's this great battle of eyes. See, Moses keeps bringing this back to himself. Even though God is saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to provide you with everything. I'm going to do all this. You simply need to go. But Moses keeps saying, I. Who am I? My mouth. God, I can't do it. And this is a good time for reflection for us because sometimes we deny the call of God. We don't go forward. We, we do everything because we keep looking at ourselves. I want you to think about how many of you give, put in Moses' Moses's place would have freely gone and delivered the people from Egypt. I mean, think about it. God is speaking audibly. You don't have to question it. Is that God or not God? It's God's voice. God then gives you great power. Say you're able to lift things, levitate things. You have all these abilities. And God keeps saying over and over again, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Do you think you would go? Some of us might say yes, but some of us might say no. 
And for those of you who you say, no, I think I would go, you don't, I want to challenge you to really understand what sin is. Sin does not cloud our rationality. Moses knows what's going on. He clearly sees that God is more powerful. God can do these things. What's happening in Moses' heart is this, that sin is clouding his will. What sin does is always takes our view away from God and makes us look at only ourselves and our abilities and our wants. Sin doesn't allow us to see truth. It doesn't allow us to see the situation for what it is. It distorts our vision and it distorts our hearts. Now, why is this important? I think this is important because we have a lot to learn from this one scenario. First, I want to speak to those who may not believe in Jesus Christ. For those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, I know us Christians can be quite annoying, always bringing up our facts or trying to debate with you about the validity of Jesus. But I want to take a step back, and I want to stay away from that fight. I don't want us to talk about the validity of God or the validity of Jesus. I want to ask a simple question, one that I think Moses didn't ask before. It's this, do you want to believe in God? You see, when Moses was encountered with all these signs, with all these wonders and all these affirmations, what happened is this, Moses was given all the proof and evidence that God was going to be with him, but what does he say? He doesn't say, God, finally, I'm confident. What does he say? He says, my Lord, just please send someone else. Moses knows what is happening. He's not stupid. He can see all the great wonders and signs, but his heart doesn't allow him to accept the will of God. For those of you who may not believe in Jesus, I ask you this fundamental question. Do you want to believe that Jesus, that God, is real? If the answer is no, no amount of evidence will ever convince you of God. You have already come to the conclusion before even hearing the evidence. And I, and I do want to say there is plenty of evidence. God invites us to these signs. Another thing we need to learn about God at this instance is this. God does not just say, believe my word, trust it. He says, come, ask, look at these signs. Look at these pieces of evidence so that you might believe. Now, many people say, well, all, if I saw these signs, surely I will believe. You don't have to look for these signs. You don't have to go out looking for them. God has given us the greatest sign so that all might believe, and that is his son, Jesus Christ. The greatest miracle ever to have happened here on earth is the birth of Jesus, his son. God who became man. The man God who died on the cross and then rose again from the dead. That is a huge sign that we must look to all the time. And then read the book of John. After you grapple with the resurrection, read the book of John. John chapter 20 verse 30 says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus not, is not an intellectual exercise only. He is a sign that he evokes emotions. For Moses, when he was given all the signs and evidence, he just didn't want to do it. He just didn't want to believe. He just couldn't do it because he didn't want it. And mind you, Moses loved the Israelites. This is not a Jonah situation where he hates the Israelites, he doesn't want to go. He loves these people. He wants them to be freed. He wants to do something, but when God has to do it his way, he ultimately bows out. He says, I don't want to do it. Please, God. We see sin taking over Moses' heart. So for those of you who may not believe in Jesus and you see all the signs and evidence before you and you still have a trouble, trouble time believing, just ask yourself, do I want to believe this is true? It's a first and fundamental question that we should ask ourselves. But this is not, this passage is not only for the non-Christian. There's things that we Christians, brothers and sisters, can learn from this. What is God calling you to today? Are you heeding his call. How are you doing with Jesus? For some of you, you may see Jesus and you may have mixed emotions. You may be struggling in the faith. As you see Jesus, what you feel is not the joys and promises that you once felt. You might look at Jesus and realize it's not there anymore. I don't believe. And I want to say that's okay. That's okay. And the thing, what, the thing that you need to do is keep your gaze upon Christ. You need to continue keeping your gaze upon Christ. Because why? First, you need to ask yourself, do you want to believe in Jesus? That's a, that's a fair question for any Christian. Do you want to believe in Jesus? Because some people, what they realize is they, want, they walk away from the church because maybe they don't want to believe in Jesus. And why don't they want to believe in Jesus? Because they understand Christianity. They understand the promises given to us in the Bible. They understand that we may not have a beautiful, happy marriage. They understand that we may not have a home. We may not have the best job. We may not have the best kids. People, Christians understand that that's not what's promised in the Bible. What's promised in the Bible is eternal life. And for some, they can't give that up. And that's an important place to be. So you look to Christ. And you say, if Christ is real, and if the resurrection actually happened, then these promises must be real. What does that say about my heart and where I'm at? And I can't answer those questions for you, but it brings you back to the important questions that we need to continually be asking ourselves. Jesus is the sign in which we continually recheck our wants and our desires. And you need to heed the call of God. You may not like it, which is fine. Many of us don't like the call of God, but you need to figure out why you don't like the call of God. But for some of you, you may be thinking, I don't know what the call of God is. God calls everybody to the simple things first. God calls us to fellowship with one another. God calls us to come to his church. God calls us to pray on behalf of the saints. 
And many of us are like Moses. I can't pray. I can't come to church. I can't read. See, it's these simple callings that God is calling us to, and oftentimes we come up with these things, and maybe the root reason oftentimes is maybe we don't want to do these things. And so what happens when we don't want to do these things? How does God feel? Feelings are important. Well, let me tell you how God feels. He's angry. Stuff you don't really hear at church. Yeah. God is angry. What is God's reaction to Moses' uh, complaints? Send someone else. Does he say, I understand. It is a tough job. God's anger kindled against Moses. God became angry. And instead of this discouraging us, it should encourage us. The reason God got angry is because God cared. He cared what Moses did. He cared how Moses responded to his word. And so when God, when we don't heed the call to God, God does get angry. He gets angry at us. But because we are his children, how does he respond? Does he smite you? Does he, that's it, you have a disease forever. What does God do? What does it say in the text? He gives Moses his long-lost brother Aaron and provides and supplies his needs. And God says, I will carry out my plan with you still. We have a God who is gracious, a God who cares and who engages with us all the time. For some of you, when you see Jesus, you may be angry and you may not want to do what God is calling you to do. And I'm going to say, that's okay. God will find a way for you to come back to him. Trust in that. Don't try to change your emotions. Don't try to change your habits. Focus upon what Christ is doing, and the church will come and supply your needs, because that is the God we serve. And we can take great comfort in that. We continually look at the great sign of Jesus Christ in order that we may continually believe in his great and holy name. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you supply our needs. We thank you that you continually guide us and help us. Thank you, Father, that you are powerful. Thank you, God, that you are gracious. Lord, we know that we are sinners. But thank you that you are a powerful God who supplies our needs. We thank you for continually answering our prayers, for calling us to you, so that our glory and honor may be given unto you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.